it's in, in America, it's the village bicycle. Yeah, so this is pretty much the pre-show because there's landscaper outside doing some landscaping. You can hear the weed whacker. So this is pretty much free-form. You know, not that there's much form to our podcast to begin with. Yeah, we're working on that, guys. I mean, y'all, y'all know. I don't think it really matters. I think people just enjoy the fact that someone decides to put an hour together and just talk shit. You know what? We've got nothing better to do than make the podcast. And you know you've got nothing better to do than listen to the podcast. So fuck it. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. So I guess, you know, some pre-show information. I spent all day yesterday in the 90-degree... New England heat, moving, relocating. We're coming live from you from Watertown for the first time, which is basically going to be DSYWW headquarters. Headquarters. Once we get our way over the house, we're uh, we are the yeah the new fucking headquarters for DSYWW has become the I don't know if it's the Lisa and Con slash Dave Tree and Pikachu house. Um, or what the official title for it is, but... Well, if you actually check in on Facebook, it's called the D-Boom Hut. Mm. D-Boom Hut. Ah, It's the Facebook check-in, which Lisa coined about four years ago, before she came to Australia to see me for the first time. Imagine that, some crazy, you know, a person was... Game enough to come to Australia and, and you know, spend two months with me without actually actually knowing that I wasn't, like, some fat guy that had a really good collage of photos of this one guy. It's true. You could have been uh, Robin Williams in 24-hour photo or whatever that's Your one-hour photo, yeah. Yeah, just... That would have been... That would have been pretty crazy. That would actually be, like, a great... Uh, good combination of movies. It would be, like, a catfish movie... But a combination well, like one of, hour, one hour photo of pedophilia. No, like one hour photo, but combined with catfish. Where like the only way that you have What's catfish. That catfish is like I think it's a show. It was a movie on MTV where it's like you can kind of people entrap other people with like internet scams. Oh uh, so, right, so, uh, Entra- entrapment. Yeah. Well, it's not like that. It's not like the way that a pedophile does it or something. But it's similar where you just kind of create a fake online persona and you just trick someone into having. Interactions with it, like yeah. Even there was a football player. I think it was Manti Teo, who was like a victim of uh, this crazy catfishing scheme, or maybe he was or wasn't. Whether why is it called catfish? I have no fucking clue. That's I mean, I haven't even seen the movie or TV show. Is it like because you you know when you hear the term catfish, you sort of think that a catfish is going to be is going to be a cat with four legs and then it's amphibious or like vice versa like is it, is it a trick so that's really funny um i never thought about that i never or is it like i think these are all easily available information that uh, i'm just gonna see if the resident dog hasn't left the household where'd you go looch looch So I guess I'm here to talk to you while Con goes and fetches the dog. Um, so this is, I think, podcast seven. Uh, changing locations. We've done our podcast, I think, from now three locations. Uh, the former home of Con and Lisa in Winthrop. The current home that we're in now, which is uh, Deboom Hut. 
uh, future headquarters and house to the most comfortable fucking uh, hammock in all of Watertown. Uh, it's like a two-person hammock. I was lying in it earlier. Oh my lord Jesus, how how beautiful it was to lie in a hammock and enjoy the day's sun with, uh, you know, just almost weightless in a hammock.
Cubase is not straightforward at all. Uh, the, it is literally I've nothing straightforward about Cubase. I've used it. I like Cubase quite a lot. Alright. Well. Compared to Pro Tools, Pro Tools is just fucking computing. Have you used Pro Tools? No, not really. I use Ableton Live. Pro Tools is pretty cool if you've got all the hardware to go along with it. Otherwise, hardware you, being the actual physical hardware? Like the, like like the keyboard and, and everything, the mixing board and all that stuff. Yeah, it's really good because you can like, you record like eight tracks at a time and see it all on the screen and everything. Why would you? Because so that's how you do it as a band. You record a I band guess, live. I've never, yeah. I've never done that. So it's you have like, sixteen tracks. You do a live recording of a band, like the way Dave would record Tree. Yeah, they'll mic everything up and record it all at once, and just go. Now, if someone fucks up, they got to start over. Or that's if it's that bad of a fuck up, you have to start over. But if someone fucks up, it's not like it's a hardcore music. I mean, most people. You know Dan the Torpedoes album by Tom Petty. Yeah, that album with um, you know Tom Petty's repertoire like Refugee and all that. Yeah, you don't they have re- to live like a refugee. They re- they spent they took three hundred takes to get Refugee right, and That's they recorded awesome. that live on an analog at, at Sound City on that reel to reel desk. Yeah. The amount of tape that they would go through. There's like so many different alternative takes of that song. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I bet they those all. Have you seen like- that documentary? No. That Sound City one where Dave Grohl buys the desk out. No, I know what you're talking about, but uh, yeah, that documentary. I think it's currently on Netflix, right? Yeah, it is. But you can also buy it down. You can buy it off the Sound City website now for like ten bucks and own it, and you get the full 1080p version of it, and you get all the most people don't have Blu-ray players or a TV that goes full 1080p. Yeah, but you download it onto your TV onto your computer. Most people don't have a fully high def computer either. Oh well, it's there if you need it. Mm. You know? I don't know. I feel like I feel like. I feel like that funny that how YouTube went to 4K. They have now, they now support 4K videos, but no one has a 4K computer yet or camera. No cameras are coming more readily accessible. <laughs> Do you see that Canon camera that came out the other day? It's it's like four million ISO. No. It can, it can film plain as day in pitch black. That's awesome. It's like a $30,000 camera though. Yeah, my buddy was like, I'm like look, he was like, I'm looking into getting this camera. It's super official. It's like $1,200. And I was like, you know to get a super official camera, you're not going to spend like less than like $10,000. Yeah, if you're going to get, I think I would say a super official camera in the menu would be like a Canon 1D. Mark Free, which is like for the body alone is seven grand, and then you got the lenses. And you he was talking, he was talking to, video too, not not like a photo. Like no, 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 digital SLRs are now used more in independent filmmaking than actual cinema cameras. Like people don't buy Panavision cameras anymore; they buy a well, high-end Canon. The Panavision that they used for like I don't know, however many years, probably you know, forever. Since, 60 years up until like the mid to late 90s the, that Panavision camera was the standard that is a standard but it's also, it's also way more expensive now to, to buy 35mm film yeah and to, why to, would you why would you shoot it you don't, unless you're, not you're, you're be, doing like a Tarantino well that's what I, I was my next word was like unless you're Tarantino and you know that you want that film quality because you know it's going to be doing. up on a screen and it's not going to be 3D. Cause I can also guarantee you that the way Tarantino films films now is that he does all his practice takes on digital. Absolutely. And then they film the final take on film. I can guarantee you that's Absolutely. how he does it. Because you can't, like, it's so expensive. Like, 
I, I am a film, I'm a film nerd, like f- physical, the film format rather than digital. I, I know, it's not really a comparison anymore because digital is almost as close, but to to get the same quality, grain quality and film exposure quality in digital, you need like, that Canon just come out with a 4 million ISO speed camera, you need six times that over. So 35 million ISO to get the same expansion quality of film. Hmm. I never thought the, about that. It's because you think about it, like the the way pixels work. It's like putting bits of information yeah. in a line and a grid next to it, whereas like it's, it's film just is just exposure, an exposure yeah. in the way light works. It's like an image interpretation. And I love. But it's it's cool playing with that stuff. It's cool fucking around. You can do a lot. You get a lot of crazy stuff like that. That early independent cinema, the early two thousand stuff, it was all those digital cameras everyone thought they had. Like JVC had one, Sony had one, Nikon had one, and you get all those people who who were into making short films that just did handheld everything, like the Blair Witch era. I was thinking, yeah, shaky like, cam. Yeah, that's where we got all the shaky cam from. Yeah, it was um, just people making these poor things. Like everybody, I remember. Well, how much did they make Blair Witch for? And it made a fucking God knows how much they made that movie made. Oh, I'd say that the budget. I would say that the budget for Blair Witch is probably a hundred thousand dollars. Probably way less than that, I would say. And then uh, God knows that thing probably that's been grossed, that's been modest. Yeah, and that thing probably grossed. Uh, more, you would say more than a hundred million, right? Probably in the sense, like it's, it's a probably probably by now, yeah, I would say by overall by now. Because that was so, a huge thing. I remember it was a huge Blair thing. I never out, bought it, and though. everyone so thought it fucking, was real. Like there was it's so just a people. fucking scarecrow without the fucking the straw and the fucking old jeans and t-shirt. Like that's all it is. Yeah, little, little <coughs> wooden scarecrow. It's funny what like you know the sort of mean that white people put the stuff like they interpret things and just oh it's fucking evil. Like, we don't understand it. It's evil. You know, you apply that to the Vietnamese, Islam, cable TV, anyone the internet, anyone who's smartphones. <laughs> I mean, the point where smartphones were going Obama. that. Obama. Do you remember? Do you remember that point where smartphones were going that direction? They're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Oh, yeah. The point where people thought that they were going to um. You know, be smaller than the tip of your finger, sort of thing. With the Zoolander cell phone, where he yeah, has yeah, a little yeah. tiny little finger. Yeah, the Zoolander. What the what the fuck is this? Like a school for ants? Yeah. No, but he had his cell phone in that movie was like, you know, the size of his like his pinky finger little piece of thing where he's opening it up. Yeah. And that was totally. And now we've reached the opposite of that, where phones are getting bigger again because yeah, because the, the screen because phones are turning into personal computers. Little, little, your mobile devices, yeah, it's everything. It's, it's your, your personal it's your camera, it's, it's your, your phone, it's your... It's your postie, it's your mail, yeah. it's, it's your credit card, it it's is. your bus pass, it's your license, it's your life. When when we can unlock doors with our cell phones, then you won't have to keep anything I'm in pretty your sure you can. There's already doors that are hooked up, you know, well, on yeah, a Yeah, but server. I mean, when your average person can do it, not like, you know... Hey. Hackers... Hacker, hacker lives matter too. Hack lives matter. Yeah. Hack- uh, I'm not going to get into this because I do feel very strongly about this Black Lives Matter. So I don't want to introduce any other 
phrases into something that could muddle up that cause because motherfuckers, I mean, people are dying every day and it's nothing to joke about. Like, that's one of those things that, like, if you were, if you were gonna joke, that's not funny. Like, I was talking to, and I see it every day on the internet where, like, people are like, cops' lives matter too. No. No, they don't. No, you made a choice to be a cop. Yeah. You don't make a choice to be black. Yeah, and the fact is that the the police force as it exists today is a product of our enforcing slavery. I mean, literally the first police forces existed Basically, to reincarcerate black people back to slavery. Basically, the idea of a police force is to be the teacher on lunch duty, on playground duty. Like, that's the idea of what a cop is meant to be. Like, you basically... That's how you can break it down to, and that's not what they're doing. They're, like, they're just meant to be the guy that's walking around making sure that no one's setting garbage bins on fire, no one's smoking in the toilets, no one's getting in a punch on. You make sure you're throwing that football properly. Like, that's what the police are meant to be, but they're not doing that. The fact is, if you're a police officer and they're talking so about, the, oh, it's they, so they shoot bizarre. this person, they thought, oh, his life was in danger or some shit. But I'm sorry, but when you just shoot somebody for running away, because that's what happens too often, whether or not a person they thinks that it's way an is ideology a too. It's a, it's a, it's like it's what you tell when you go through. It's what you. It's obviously the way you come out the other side of police academy. You know, you come out the other side of training. You sort of think to think that you oh. are number one, and your word and your authority is like the definitive thing, and you. And whatever you think or whatever your assumptions are, you are right to act on those assumptions. And it's also the fact that, like, they're like, police, we know, exist to enforce the law, but we are the only people who are above the law. They view themselves as above the law, oh, and they, uh, uh, they can murder Donald people Trump. with impunity, and they don't give a fuck about your rights. One, your rights are inalienable. The police exist just as much to enforce the fact that you have rights... Well, you don't and they really find themselves always taking them away. You don't really have a right. Once you get a bank account, you have no rights. And when you, you know, you're born with a social security number in this country, you don't have rights. Well, yeah, and in this in this society, you don't have rights. You have privileges. You have the what the state lets you have. But, yeah, and the people but in born. the in the actual world, in the universe, you have rights, whether they're legal or moral. Rights exist whether or not they're affirmed by the government. That's why we have the Bill of Rights, and it's we hold these truths to be self-evident. It's the fact is that these rights exist whether or not we grant them to you in law. Like, that's, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, within the Constitution. No, no, the Constitution doesn't give you rights. Your rights exist outside of well, the Constitution. In Australia, in, in, Australia, in Australia, the Constitution are the human rights. The human rights... I worked into the Constitution in Australia. We don't have like a Bill of Human Rights, a separate Bill of Rights. Yeah, your our Bill, of right, our Bill of Rights is our Constitution. But I, what I what I was trying to say, I think, is more that the the Constitution is not what grants you rights. It's an affirmation of your rights. It's telling you in writing these are your rights. These like we don't have to tell you that these are your rights, but we will tell you like in this document because we believe in it so much. Um, that's why you, you hold these truths it's self-evident meaning they're evident whether or not we're telling you this you know these are the freedoms that you enjoy in a free and just society you have the right to but the they're freedom. not all self-evident though like that you know it's like that chick that was pulled over by the cops and then you know two days later she was hung like 
she had rights there that she was she was fully aware of her rights and that cop did not respect that yeah well am I under arrest am I under arrest and he was like going get out of the car get out of the car and he said am I under arrest and he didn't answer the question and then once she got out of the car pinned and said you're resisting arrest yeah no point before that did he say you are under arrest if he had said yeah. you are under arrest because of Blah blah blah. Whatever bullshit I can pull out of my ass. Well, you can't. You can't arrest someone. It seems like if if you're arresting you for resisting arrest when you're not being arrested for anything. You can't other be resist- resist- for resisting arrest and just say you are under arrest to begin with. Yeah. It, or you've got to have probable cause to arrest yes. somebody in the first place. And probable and then, cause and needs then, a warrant. And honestly, if you're being arrested for nothing, you should have the right to resist arrest. No, what you say when a cop says, "Hey, can I talk to you?" And you don't want to talk to the you don't want no. to talk to the police. You say, "Am I under arrest, officer? Am I free to go?" I would say, and "Hey, you can keep I keep saying that until they answer if, that question?" If, you do not have to give them anything. I would say, "Hey, are you under arrest? I, or can I can I talk to you?" No. Bye. <laughs> well, you're saying no. You, like, like you answer the question. You got to you got to phrase it in a way of saying, "Am I under arrest?" And then they and they and they bias and you know you keep asking, "Am I under arrest?" And you make them say no. You say, "Well, right." I do not have to answer any question you have to say. God, you know what? I, it has really bothered me today. There was a uh, a situation online. It was something about one of these recent, um, you know... Frequent occurrences. Black Lives Matter, some, something along those lines of a black person getting murdered. And there was one of those people that exist on the internet who just post things like, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, you or if you weren't breaking the law, you wouldn't have gotten killed. And it's like... No, that's just that uh, that person. Just, that person's just a fucking idiot. And the way you got out, you got the way you treat those people. It's really hard. You, they're internet trolls. They're fucking idiots. You don't respond to them. I don't respond to them. I never. Like, but I read this whole interaction that someone. Oh, else so, had yeah, 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 yeah. Look, if I ever, I don't, if I, I ever write a fucking book, if I ever write a fucking book, it's going to be called "Don't Read the Comment Section." Mm-hmm. Like that's the title of my fucking book. It's like I've worked out that the best for me to do is to not. Literally, not give a fuck what anyone thinks. That'll be cool because it'll be on Amazon, and I'm just gonna like give a shitty review and in the comment section. It's actually it's not gonna be on Amazon. It's gonna be on Audible. Get it fucking right. There you go. Well, you could have it. It was. It might be an audiobook, or you might want to have a physical copy too. This is 2015. Nobody buys books anymore. Oh, I know plenty. That's, of and I, that's actually kind of funny because I went to Book Mecca the other day. I went yeah, you were just telling me about reading books in the fucking store earlier today. I went to the Harvard Coop, whereas I would call it a co-op. Yeah, because it's not a co-op. It's a coop. It's a cooperative of schools. No, nope, it's just a coop. A coop is where you keep chickens, man. Yeah, you yeah. Keep chickens in the coop. You didn't see the, the chickens? No, and there was oh, no, there the was no dirt on the ground. It's the basement, straw. man. It's straw. Books don't lay eggs. Okay, that's that's going to be the name of this podcast, by the way. Books Everyone don't lay there. eggs. Books don't lay eggs. I'm Sammy Noodles. Book, book lives He's matter. He's Con Williams, and book, books don't lay eggs. Book lives matter. Oh. See, I'm just not going to get it, because anything other than black Come lives on. matter takes away Come the on. focus. You can't fully understand the, the situation unless you can poke fun at it. I honestly, like, I if I had a smart, interesting, innovative way to poke fun at that... Okay, I'd it's like, maybe unfair because you, you haven't looked at it from that, from that perspective. It's just one of those things that I think that there's, like, 
there's a real conversation that needs to be had. There's a conversation that needs to be had there, and, and it, it doesn't need to be an international conversation. It needs to be a dinner table conversation. It needs to be a conversation that people are having in everyday life. Yep. And but I think it's, stopped, it's, it's time to stop apologizing for fucking cops who murder people and say, oh, well, they're fucking, they thought their lives were in danger. No. You don't, and also, you don't get to escape thinking you your life is in danger judgment. by murdering another person. Look, a dude who is dressed in a bulletproof vest and wearing mace, a taser, and a bloody... What are they carrying? They carry 44s, don't they? It's, it's like Glock 17, it's, so a usual... Or a lot of cops carry Glock 17. And at the time, you don't get to say that you feel threatened. You do not get to say that you feel threatened. If anything, anybody who sees you walking in public feels threatened. It's true. And, like, you dress your... You don't even dress yourselves in, also, the, if in you blue uniforms anymore. If you don't want to feel threatened, go find another job where you're going to not feel threatened. Like, yeah, but the reason why you're a cop is because you were bullied in high school and you realised that outside of high school, you didn't have any control over anybody's life anymore. So you went, how can I still be a fucking cunt? I'll go be a cop. I'll go be a security guard. I'll go be a... I'll go be a fucking politician. Yeah. I'll go be a lobbyist. Dude, you know? If, if you want to have no soul, you should go be a fucking oil lobbyist. Or natural gas. Tobacco. Was I would say. Uh, it's the tobacco industry. is pretty great. Tobacco doesn't... Yeah, tobacco is great, but you don't need a tobacco company lobbyist anymore. You really don't. It's it's actually amazing. You really don't because one, it's a product that sells itself. It is. Um, I buy it. If anything, go be a weed lobbyist. Oh, what? The counteract of hemp. Like hemp is so much better than paper and less. Do you water. understand that there are like maybe like a couple of them that exist now, but in ten years, that's going to be a new thing. The way that like pharmaceutical that's the way lobbying. That's 60, 60 to seventy years ago in this country, hemp was the alternative to paper and cotton. It was one product, it didn't need barely any fucking water, and you what, could let it just grow. What happened in Australia? How did uh, marijuana get illegalized in Australia? It, it was basically, you know, it was a it was a relay effect of what happened here. Because, like, I don't know anything really about Australia. Fuck off Xfinity. I don't want your shitty Wi-Fi. Oh, I don't want your shitty Wi-Fi, Xfinity. You turn my airport off. Yeah. Bloody Wi-Fi, everyone's trying to join, everyone's trying to hack my computer and fucking put me tinfoil hat on and sit in the corner and rock. Yeah, and there's planes flying by, all those planes are the same <laughs> plane. It was the same plane, they were just charter True Blue flights. Which I find funny is that you've got an American airline called True Blue. You mean JetBlue? Oh, it's JetBlue, isn't it? Yeah. JetBlue, like it just seems like it's close to True Blue, isn't it? That's what you call an Australian, a True Blue Australian. Mm. But getting back to the cop, about the policeman, the officer, or the constables. Constables. Get, getting back Dude, to is the, that an Australian thing? You call them constables? I'm so sorry, constable. There's there's alcohol in my blood or blood in my alcohol. And dude, the the E term is. Not constable, but constable. Constable. Dude. Fucking genius. Wow. 
I love that so much. I'm gonna cheers you on that one, man. Because wow. But getting back to it though, it, the, the problem like if if the cops don't want to feel friends, stop dressing like you're a threatening person. Go back to wearing blue. Go back to wearing navy blue. Stop wearing black. Stop driving around in militarized vehicles that yeah. look like they're Humvees that built for freaking. You mean the driving mo- through the Sahara freaking desert? Well, it's like um, when you drive a mine-resistant armored vehicle. In, yeah, well, in, when your budget, when your when your local area command police service budget is bigger than what the actual local area council's budget is, there's a fucking problem. Well, you know what? How they get those vehicles is that they hardly even have to pay for them. It's actually the federal government giving them. It's the, expenditure. They're, no, but it's almost free. Yeah, but the because way they're is, bringing them back from Iraq. Yeah, but they you, have all you, these know, you know how expenditure works in municipal areas. If you if you have a certain budget within a, within a financial period, and you spend that budget, oh yeah, in yeah, the yeah. next area you get higher funding. Yeah. But if you don't spend you that spend budget, you get less. Yeah. So you so you keep on spending more and more and more to the point where it's like, oh, we need freaking armored freaking vehicles, and we're in you know. Out back, middle of freaking nowhere in Vermont, where it's like, you know, the worst freaking thing that's going to happen is someone's going to push a cow onto you. Mm. Those cows. Those, those cows are freaking you, you sneaky. Know, you, you really need a tank to go at those cows, though. Because if you don't have a tank, man, those cows will take you out. <laughs> they're just going to look at you. Those are tricky cows, man. They're just going to look at you, munch on some grass and moo. Nah, dude, you need some. You need, you need high-powered um, sniper rifles. You need automatic weapons, and you need uh, the latest in bulletproof you assault need a gear. Vehicle. You need a because you need a otherwise, dude, dude, you know when those police walk up to those cows, man, you know how threatened they feel. Yeah, they fear for their life. They fear for their life because they can't comprehend it. They can you, just they can't put it together. You know why? Because those cows are part black. Oh man. <laughs> Don't even go there. <laughs> they see those cows and they're like a little bit black and they're like, they see them cows rolling. So they hate him <laughs> patrolling and trying to make sure that milk's not dirty. White and dirty. Oh, dude, those, um, yeah, wow. But, like, for real, though, you do have police forces in middle and nowhere. No, actually, that was, that was Nelly. <laughs> it wasn't Nelly. Was it? Who was it? No, it's, uh, uh, Flo Right? No. It's Chameleonaire. It's Chameleonaire. He oh, did Ride I and it was Dirty. Florida. No, 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 no. It's a Chameleonaire who did Ride and Dirty. Yeah. Um, he had a song that I actually liked that wasn't Ride and Dirty, but I can't remember what it was. I had it fucking Slick Rick on it. That was. Oh yeah, was some stuff that I just did not pay attention to. There was, I was telling you about Triple J in back in Australia. Yeah, Triple the J. One, one year. Um, Yo, so Triple I J think is the alternative was, radio station now. Yeah, it's it's. It's budget expenditure comes from the government, and it's the same every year, and it's uncensored, no corporate agenda. They can do... Like, imagine NPR, but a lot more free. Like, it actually... You're, you're allowed to have a right view, or a left view, or a central view. You can you do what you want. not entirely you, politically correct all the time. Yeah, exactly right. And you can swear on the open live airwaves. Like, so like I could, D- D- Dave Grohl was a standard that he could come into the radio and say fuck on the or, air, or like if you were just like talking to Donald Trump, like and he was like, 
Yeah, yeah Donald Trump. I'm running be. for fucking. I'm running for president of the United States, and I want this thing, and I think all the Mexicans. I had Donald Trump, and you could be like, "Shut your fucking piece of shit mouth!" You yeah, stupid you could challenge bitch. it, but the people in Trump today wouldn't reduce it to that. That would actually have like a very intellectual point of view to it. Like back in the day, they were when Tom Tilly was still doing the half hour wrap up, the five thirty sort of drive home news wrap up show. But there was one. I remember like that. They used to have. The big thing was that you could say what you want and talk about the fringe of cultures, but they also that they played a lot of new alternative music like that. They would play absolutely everything, like they'll play the whole spectrum. Nothing was excluded except for you know the shit that already got a lot of exposure, the corporate exposure. Was it uh, was it all Australian music? No, it was what uh, they. They used to have a... I don't know what it is now. I think it's still like 45%, but like it used to be that 50% of the content had to be Australian music. 50% of it, and then the rest of the people from around the world. But one year, it was the year the Queens of Stone Age won the Hottest 100, um, with no one knows, but they fake-played Getting Hot In Here by Nelly as the number one song of the annual countdown of the top 100 best songs. So they started playing that song, which was never ever played on the radio. Oh, they didn't, didn't they play it like twenty four seven for a while or something? They play, when when they got in trouble, they played NWA, fuck the police for twenty four hours that straight. Was what it was. Yeah, that, that was that was when it came out. They played this just then on loop for twenty four hours. Beautiful. When they first started, when Triple J first started, they played. Uh, you, ego is not a dirty word by the Skyhawks, which was banned. Why was on it commercial banned? radio, it's just because of its content. Oh, the Skyhawks are fucking amazing. The guy, the lead singer from the Skyhawks, after the Skyhawks, you know, went into a hiatus, he became a TV, Shell became a TV personality, and he used to, like, you know, like, um, those DIY around the house shows. He became the, the you know, the, the resident carpenter, and he would build all the bench tops for the kitchen it and was stuff a, like that. It was this old house. This this old house. It was house. called Bed, Bed, Better Homes and Gardens, or something like that. It, that's That was the name of the show. But in 99, I think it was around about 99, he, he tragically died because he crashed his helicopter. Dude, like the guy in Jurassic World? Yeah, he crashed his helicopter. Right. He was in the crash his helicopter into the He thought he was way better bands. than he was, and then he crashed it into the territory. Oh, no, no, he was, he was an avid maverick. Like, he would fly everywhere. Like, it was his thing. It was like, sure, would helicopter everywhere. He's like a Bruce Dickinson of helicoptering. Yeah. Or John Travolta. Yeah, but well, getting back to my point about it, was that <laughs> they, they played Nelly on this countdown, and then live on air, mm-hmm. they took the CD out of the freaking the recorder and snapped it live on air and said this shit isn't played on this radio station nice so I always had a really skewed view of that mainstream culture hip hop R&B sort of stuff like I, I never really got into it or liked it I've never really I've, I've gotten into some stuff but it's not really the really mainstream stuff it's usually look I don't, I don't I don't see or understand how Nicki Minaj comes into the frame of light is she just purely because of Kanye's involvement that she got a no, leg up in the industry has no pun do, intended has nothing to do with Kanye um, Nicki Minaj got on because of uh, 
Wayne and Drake and the the Young Money record label. I thought that the Nicki Minaj thing was because the Nicki Minaj thing was because of being on Monster on Dark Twisted Fantasy. Uh, I wouldn't know, man. I really don't listen. I like it's just not my. Well, Dark Twisted Fantasy was a masterpiece, but I liked it. The point, but then that it's was not. that was anything after that is when Kanye started speaking out really about how he was Jesus. I don't care if Kanye's. Je- I mean, if Kanye's Jesus, we all deserve to go to hell and burn for eternity. It's just something so dumb about like you can't proclaim to be this outspoken artist and then go and marry fucking uh, Kim Kardashian and like. She's this vacuous piece of nothing, garbage. And she's like, you know, he's like, I'm an artist. Everyone look at my beautiful wife. And it's like, come on, dude. Like, she's nothing. She's the worst piece of, like, garbage that the society has created. Unless, like, you marry her t- for some sort of grand scheme where you murder her. Like, it it actually... Hey, never say never. Justin Bieber song. Oh, Yeah. That's the masterpiece, man. That's the masterpiece. Uh, like, that, oh, dude, just, dude. just some of a haircut. Some a, of a haircut. He's like such that. a dreamboat, too, man. Some of a haircut, like that that haircut, that hairstyle, that Canadian vibe, like you know that that whole maple bacon, you know, it's just got it going on. He's just, I mean, he's the whole package, man. He's like the he's superheated to his fans. He acts like he's the shit, and he's obviously not. I mean, who wasn't? Who doesn't love that? Like. He's just ungrateful and unappreciative of all the celebrity status he's had. <laughs> Speaking of Justin Bieber and talking about Australian radio at the same time, um, I'm not sure if it was Fifi Fox or Michelle Laurie. It, it might not have been neither of them, but I remember they were playing that Oh Baby Baby Justin Bieber song. Uh, like, you know, it was getting its thrashing on the runs of, like, you know, it was on the playlist of the 25 songs mm-hmm. that get thrashed. Yeah, they... And, oh. um... It, it, it... They do the slow fade out on the song. And then the female presenter, or the female DJ, goes, It's gonna be great when he sees his first vagina. Nice. Like, live on air. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. My like, I heard it happen and then forgot about it. And then my uncle told me about. it. I was like, couldn't remember who did it. Like, it might have been like on Mix One Hundred One FM or maybe on Fox FM back in the day. I don't know if he'll ever see his own his his first vagina. He's like, ew, vaginas. Just just, just put it in my butt, please. <laughs> I, I reckon he, I reckon Justin Bieber's asexual. I don't reckon he has any sexual problems. I reckon there's he, nothing you, there. He just. <laughs> He pees smooth- he, he out his elbows in the shower. He's smooth like a Ken doll. You know, yeah, yeah, he's smooth like a Ken doll, but he pees out, out of his elbows yeah. in the shower. I think he pees out of his mouth into a microphone, and that's how he makes his music. Man. No, that's how he defecates. Ah, that's, that's it. That's excrement. That's excrement. It's, uh, it's, it's cultural excrement that comes out of Justin Bieber's esophagus there's and a into diction- the consciousness of the world. There's a dictionary, there's, a, there's an American dictionary... In the toilet here in this household, with you know all the books next to the toilet, and I got up this morning slightly hungover and opened the book, and it was on page three hundred and ninety-seven, and the top word while I was taking a relaxing dump was excrete. 
Nice. I opened the I opened the dictionary on excrete. I was hoping it would be swag. Secretly, we are gay. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, they not put... that there's anything wrong with that. Like, I'm not going to be an apologist for saying things and misinterpret. You know but, what? But look, look, they are onto some good stuff there. Like seriously, if I arose in a situation where I woke up where I was staring double barrel down on a dick. I would not want to disappoint. Like, I'm that sort of person where if I'm in a situation, I don't want no bad fucking name for no matter what I fucking do. Alright, well, like, I don't know. For me, it comes down to, like, man, if this dude... if I mean, because I'm, I'm always one of those people, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not gay. But if I was, like, in love with a dude, because that shit can happen. And you don't, yeah. know, you don't get to pick and choose who you love. If you fall in exactly. love with somebody and you're like, wow, I really love this dude... And, like, I'm going to suck his cock? You fucking suck the cock? Who cares? And you like deliver. If, if you love somebody, you just do it. Because it's not it's not a matter of, like, oh, this is a, per- this is a man or whatever. Because that's such a fucking stupid way to view sexuality. Like, honestly, if you can't view sexuality as, like, a fluid thing where you love who you love, yeah. you're closing yourself off yeah, to, like, Yeah, you the person rather than the gender. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not gay. I'm a straight person, but I don't give a fuck because it's like being an agnostic. Like, I don't believe in anything, but I'm not going to assume that something doesn't exist because yeah, I don't to know. Assume, yeah, to assume that there is nothing is almost as, as stupid as assuming there is something. Because I know that, like, I've had really fulfilling, like, awesome sexual yeah, relationships but, with women. But, do you... but I've never had that with a dude. And who knows, like, maybe you can have that with a dude. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like... It's what you like at the time. That whole religious agnostic, that whole religious... You could also wake up at 50. Yeah. You could wake up at 50 and go, oh man, I really love that guy. And I'm like actually physically attracted. Because it's not something that like you always know throughout your whole life. Well, well, it's been proved this year you can wake up at 65 and even go, hey, I don't feel right being a man. Yeah, but it's like, there are plenty of people like, uh, I know a friend of mine recently, like, Obviously, there are, like, seven-year-old kids who know they're gay. Yeah. But, and like... That's, and that's... To, to, to be that definitive and know that that's what you are that quick and that early on, I'm sort of envious of that. Seriously. Um, I was, like... I was well into my teens before I kind of figured out I was, like... Like, this is what I like. I like women. And, like, that's it. But I don't even know if that's it. Because who cares? Like, why... Why would you restrict yourself? Well, yeah, why restrict... Why, why limit yourself to the possibilities... And honestly, that's the, that, I think that's, like, more harmful than anything else is, like, people restricting themselves because they're, like, so afraid of the option that they might have. Like, oh, like... Well, that's it. They're afraid. It's not that they hate it. They're afraid and they understand the concept. Like, it's so weird that the default as a human race for when they don't understand something is to express hate for it or and think it's the devil and say they're going to hell or, like, you know... and. To, to borrow a line from Bill Burr, what sort of fucking person creates something in an entity who, you know, God created man, God created you as a person, and then goes, if you fuck up, I'm going to burn you in hell for eternity. Like, that's like pretty much the same as saying, I create a car, and it doesn't work, I'm going to fucking burn it forever. Or I created a car, and, uh... And it doesn't work, and if you don't fix it, you're gonna get burned for eternity. Like it's it's so like it's a self defeating thing from the beginning. Know. Like 
I'm horrified by the idea of those people who 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 are gay and then think that they need to go on those camps to oh, to pray, sexual pray, pray away the gay. Oh. like that 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 whole thing, like that that psycho mental journey that those people must go on or go through. It, it can't be fucking fun. It can't be enjoyable. You can't be going. You, you can't. Be going ten years down the track from after you did it. Go, oh, that was a good time in my life when I did that. There was, um, I was down in North Carolina in my buddy's church, and they're like, they've got a really amazing pastor, and they, they're, well, they're like, they're um, a lady or yeah, pastor, <laughs> um, but they're like, uh, they're very humble and they follow very closely the Bible and they try and live a very Christian life. But they also do believe in those crazy, crazy biblical like, um, like being gay is a sin, and if you're gay, it doesn't say anything in the Bible. It's, well, it says okay, in the Old Testament. Let me but let me just get to the point that I'm making, yeah. which is that they have a guy who's a part of their congregation who is very clearly gay and has been, and everyone knows that he's gay, and they say, um, and I was like, I asked my friend one time, I was like, well, like. What is it, like, you guys think it's, like, a sin or it's this and that? And how come, like, this guy is allowed in or, like, how come he wants to be there? And they go, oh, it's all good. He's gay, but he doesn't act on it. Like, he's he knows he's a homosexual, but as long as you don't actually fuck guys, it's totally cool. And I was like... That's horrifying. One, one, to be a, a, a chaste man, a man who is not having sex at all because you're gay... You're like giving up like a really satisfying You're losing thing, out you know? a part of your, lo- your life, your entity, your being. Like, And also, what type of God would create you and make you gay and then assume that, okay, well, I made him gay, but so like he should have no sexual line. pleasure in his life. That's like a production line of making, you know, something as, as simple as, you know, making paintbrushes and the hairs coming out in the brushes in a fucked up way so that brush never gets to be a brush. Do you know what I would say? Is uh, if I'm gay and God made me in his image, then God's got to be pretty gay. Yeah. And you know what? Who's more, well, fab- you know what? Who's was- more fabulous than gay God? Because imagine... Oh, the gay... Okay. Excellent cho- Excellent point. Excellent gay, point. Gay, gay Satan would... Like, gay be- Satan... Man, I, love, play that I love the idea of gay Satan. I really do. And I think that he, like, he's at the, like, pride parade having a great time. Gay God is there, too, but gay God keeps it a little more low-key. But yeah, gay it, Satan, like, gay dude, Satan's the God that's passing out condoms. Oh, dude, gay Satan is having the best time of his life, man. He's tripping face on fucking Molly. Yeah. He's just, like, snorting rails of coke, just banging yeah. dudes. Oh, Gay Satan. Yeah, he's passing out fluoro condoms. Like, mm. is that guy? Is it? He's just all over the place. It's like, does this dude have a Rib, ribbed for his pleasure. <laughs> mm. What you just missed was uh, me and Khan simultaneously taking a gump, gulp of beer, uh, and it was outstanding. But honestly, dude, go look look up Gay Satan because. Uh, if if he doesn't um, exist, this needs to be a movie, man. And, and gay not, God and not gay any Satan. way is this comment derogatory, but I'm pretty sure the gay saint is Rip Taylor. Dude, Rip Taylor. What was that John Oliver show where they just had Rip Taylor on recently? Yeah. Oh, that was so classic. Um, John Oliver is kicking goals. Dude, God, John Oliver has 
the best uh, like late night news show, the most informative news show that has ever existed. Yeah, it's the best because it actually has influence on what happens. You know, the and he also doesn't waste half his he doesn't waste half his runtime on a bullshit interview <coughs> for no reason because the John Stewart Shots interview. Fired. No, you know what? John Stewart interviews. You know, everyone turns it off and switches to a different show because yeah. he's not a good interviewer. It's not interesting. You know, that's the end of the show. You wait for the next one to come on. No, but I mean. It's, you know, it happens, it starts at, like, at the third commercial break, so it comes on... It was interesting, did you end up listening to the WFT, W2F episode with Wyatt Signac? Sinac? No, I tried to, but I writer. That was interesting to hear that, and, like, it'd be good to hear it from both sides, like, hear it from John's side, but you're never gonna get Mark Maron and John Stewart in the same freaking room. Why do they, is that a lot of bad blood there? Uh, Mark... Well, the story goes, this isn't definitive, and I'm sure people are going to correct me, but I'm pretty sure what the story goes is that Mark paid out John Stewart a fair bit when John Stewart was coming up for the ranks, and then John Stewart was never appreciative of what Mark said about him, about being a two-bit, as opposed to, you know, Mark, what, like, he was cutting edge, so to speak, and then, you know, Mark, Mark didn't realise all the shit that he had done until he'd gotten three years into his podcast. He didn't realise that he didn't go retrospective until he realized he hit as low as you can get. So for me... Like, it needs to happen. Like, John Stewart and Mark Rowe need to make up because that's a force to be reckoned with. For me, the whole thing is that uh, I I don't really like Mark Maron as a stand-up comedian at all. <coughs> I, I like him as a person. I think he's an incredible podcaster, and I think that he's got, like, a certain perspective that I like, but I don't, I don't like him as a comic. It just it just doesn't his his stuff like I tried to watch his most recent stand up special. Oh God, I thought it well, was really pain. Yeah, I thought it was really painful to watch. Just like I thought it's, what, in, it's in the title, man. Well, like pain, but not like generally your pain shouldn't be as the audience trying to sit through a stand. Like yeah, but, but the, thing the thing best stand up bits the, the are about over Marin before you even his, realize it. The thing about Marin, his British stand up is that that's his flavor. That's he. That's his. That's what Marin is. Like that's who he is. He's the, he's the sit down comedy on the stool. Let's talk about. I've got a problem at the beginning of the show, but in an hour's time, we're gonna work it out. Like that's that's the Marin thing. I guess, and that type of thing just doesn't work for me as much. Um, but I reckon his comedy works so much better in a sitcom format. Like his TV show. Is oh, his amazing. show is great. His show is great. Yeah, like, I, I'll give it. I'll give it up to him for the the show because I think the show is. Like, I think that's what that's what he was waiting for his entire life was his TV show. Is it works on the same level? Like it, I'm not I'm not comparing it to Louis C.K.'s show because his stand up works on so many fucking levels. Like his, but the way his his act translates into his TV show. It's incredible. It's incredible that you can your act can translate into a couple of different mediums. I mean, Louis is, I would say, the best television showrunner at ever, maybe, because he writes films and edits the entire show himself. He does. He did. He does what I want to literally do of my career. Where I want to go is I want to be across the board, across the board of what I do is write my stuff, edit my stuff, self-produce. He's also out. one of the best actors I've ever seen. And the funny thing is, he has this um, 
bit on his show about how he's not a good actor, and they have like um. And he clearly is. No, but they have that um whatever the dude's name Matthew Broderick. Yeah. And there's the whole thing where he's like supposed to be a cop, and he's like, "Your father is dead," and he can't act it right, and he's like, "I guess I'm not right for this or whatever." But Louis C.K., one of the best best actors I've ever seen, like. Yeah. I mean, there's like a couple, like um, I'm hanging out for the Louis movie. Brian Cranston on Breaking Bad um, is like really un- incredible, but dude, Louis when he gets into like, what's your, your top, what's your top five top performances five. that you've seen in your conscious years? Okay, um, so like from 15, number, okay, 15 to now, number one I've ever seen, I think, is um, Hannibal Lecter as portrayed by. Uh, I can't remember his name. Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. I would say that's probably I'll that. I'll that's that. probably the best uh, acting I've ever seen in a film. Just because he's so captivating, um, and you can't, you don't want to take your eyes off him. You want him to be the entire yeah. movie, yeah. everything. Um, I really, I mean, it seems so ridiculous to say like Samuel L. Jackson, but I really what? do. Sam's I, amazing. But I really do love the work that he's done. Um, I think Christoph Waltz is up there. Yeah, um, in Glorious Bastards. And in Glorious Bastards and uh, um, Django. Django. Uh, really. Django's role is just so comical. Like, you didn't see that coming from him. No. It's but, such a comical and role. And his, his comical role, he's got a really comical role in uh, Inglorious Bastards too. But it's also, like, horrifying. It's horrifying. It's scary as fuck. Yeah, so, um... That's free. You got two to go. Okay. Shit. I think I had I had a couple more lined up even in the beginning, but, uh... Let me think. If if I was going, uh... Shit. Thinking music inserted here. Ah, uh, yeah. Do, 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 You want me to be doing the thing. I'm going to do music. Um... No, 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 Maybe no, Alec no. Baldwin. Um, well, I think I think he's I'm mean, incredible in Thirty Rock as a comedic actor. Okay, well you know what I'll, I'll say um I'll I'll go Louis C.K. before I go Alec Baldwin. Oh, you know I, I, I no I, I, yeah I'll go Brian Cranston and then uh, Louis. That'll Louis. be my top five because Brian Cranston, un- completely, completely transformative in in Breaking Bad into a way that. You'd never see it coming out of him ever. Yeah. Like, you going into that show, you were like, "What? He's about to start cooking meth, and this is gonna." I mean, it's like the dad from Breaking or the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. Like, who? I mean, this is gonna get canceled so quick. Yeah. Was one of the best shows ever in history of television, and it redefined television because it made television a different medium than it was before. It made TV. It made prime time. Drama TV accountable for what it did. Mm-hmm. For me, you know what? I'll also, I'll say Louis, but I also want to throw in an honorable mention yeah. for fucking John Hamm for break uh, for Mad Men. Yeah, because I thought I, I seen him in like a, some little parts uh, here and there, like on Thirty Rock or other shows where he yeah. would, he would just guest star and be like kind of goofy. Yeah, but when I watched Mad Men. Yeah. That dude can act his fucking balls off, dude. Yeah. And he has these expressions that are so like not even brooding, but just like the micro expressions that he makes. Yeah. It's like um that show Tim Roth Lie to Me where he's like trying to judge people like 
he's there. Yeah. He is like I still can't get rid of the fact that that's, that Tim Rops in that show. Like I still that show was garbage. Yeah, it was. I like watched like two episodes and I was like, "This is okay," except for the fact that it's going to be the same thing every single episode. There's nothing. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. For me, like it's like, I've got a flurry of things that like the really stand me up. Like if I tell people what to watch, but my number one, and it's almost cliche, is Heath Ledger as the Joker. As the Joker, yeah. Like that, but then if you go watch. Ned Kelly, Heath Ledger played Ned Kelly. That's amazing to see. And then you got Ben Mendelsohn. You ever heard of Ben? Me- I've heard of him, but I'm not familiar with so, him. So the two movies that I like that he stands out in Ben Mendelsohn, Animal Kingdom, which is an Australian film about the Australian underworld crime scene, and then he's in Killing Them Softly. That movie that the Brad Pitt one, the one he did with Brad Pitt and James Gordafini. I love that movie. I thought that was... It was that movie, so strange. I thought That it was movie like, lacked a director and an editor, but otherwise the story is great. It really needed an editor. Yeah. Um, that, that James Goodafini, that reprise of Anthony Soprano, sort of 10-minute scene. Yeah, where they're in the, the restaurant. We're in the restaurant. Like, that, that scene was way too long. That needed to be edited. Well, I think that... But the, that, way, the way that Ray... Leona was treated in that film. Mm. His character, like that, that's what makes me like that movie. Is like that they just brutalize that guy. Well, it's also like um, you never see like like a noir picture anymore, like a gangster noir no, movie no, anymore. You don't. And that's and, the sort of cinema I want to like. I dream about making cinema like that. And then after that is Harvey Abadam in No Country for Old Men as Chagall, yeah. Anton, Anton Chagall, and dude, like. The fact that he can play that role in No Country for Old Men and then play the role that he played in, the, in um, James Bond in Skyfall, mm-hmm. it's freaking amazing, man. The dude has fucking range. And then you go watch Christy and, and Vicky Barcelona, the the like the the love interest movie that he did. That that was actually quite a good role too. Like the dude has range. Clearly has fucking range. And I mean, I'm always happy to see that he's in a movie. Yeah. Except for that movie that he... American Hustle movie? American Hustle? No, I don't think he was in it. Was he in American Hustle? It wasn't American Hustle, but it was the, it was around the same time. It it had Penelope Cruz in it, and she was cra- batshit crazy in it. Like, she's always batshit crazy in whatever she does. And to cap it off, probably... I think that's for I think that's for the last thing that stands out to me in recent time as a standout character is of course Mark Maron in him just being Maron in his TV show. Yeah, I guess it's it's good. I guess it would be better for him to act a little bit more, but he doesn't need to. Like there's he's. A, he's He's just, like, dramatizing his life, but he's not even really doing that much. It's basically Dave Anthony is writing the Marin show, and Marin is dramatizing Dave Anthony's interpretation. He's da- like, since that Marin... Like, I don't know what, ha- what happened, but this third season of Marin, with Dave is actually writing a lot more, and I, I can see the evidence in it. The evidence of Dave's effect on the show. It's just amazing. I'm so happy that it's happening. 
Do you know if, like, on Louie, does he have anyone write with him, or is it just him sitting I'm there? pretty sure Jim Norton write to him. That's genius. I'm pretty Jim sure Norton, Norton does quite genius. a lot with him. Genius. I just watched his latest stand-up special. Contextually inadequate. I thought it was a little weaker than his last one. I thought it was pretty good, though. I watched, I watched three quarters of it the I other liked, day. I liked it a lot, but I did think it was a little weaker than I think his last one was American Yeah, but still, he comes out and he talks openly about Bill Cosby on stage. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is doing that, I know. Nobody else is, like, you know, except for Wyatt Snack at the Walk in the Room final podcast. It was insane, where he was basically... In person, and Bill Cosby for three quarters of an hour. Con, do you want a cappuccino? Yes. Alright. Make you cappuccino. It'll make you f- way more awake and not go to sleep. Definitely not. Yeah. Alright, right, we're gonna get coffees. I've ever had 
What the fuck do you call that shit? I call it beer, motherfucker. Yeah. It tastes nothing like coffee. That, that's the thing I'm getting about this country. There's I drink more and more coffee in this country. I actually found a place that make a really good cappuccino. It's in North End. Um, just down the road from the, the garden. It makes awesome coffee, but I feel like coffee in this country isn't actually enjoyed for its flavour. It's, it's quantity. There's a lot of that. I mean, I work as a, a barista, and I uh, I definitely serve my my coffees. I take some some pride and some care into it. But there's a question for you: like, as a barista, how many people do you see then load like half a kilo of sugar into their coffee? Most of them. Uh, uh, see, I think it bothers me to a certain extent, but. I mean, you just deal with it because... If a coffee is made perfectly, it does not require sugar. A perfect most, coffee should most require things sugar. Made, most things made well don't need any added sugar. Um, I know because I, I had a, a cappuccino that I made for someone the other day, and I made it in a cup like that you would, you know, like a mug. So and they were like, you. I'm sorry, I wanted to go. And I drank it, and I was like, wow, this is like the best cappuccino I've ever had. And right. I made that shit for you. And I know... I mean, I tried to make the next one as good. Yeah. But, like, it didn't come out as good. You know, couldn't, the thing about it couldn't have. It's a hard thing to be consistent with. It's a hard thing to be consistent No, but there's no way, because that was one of the best coffee drinks I've ever had. Yeah. And, like, if that dude had taken a sip of what was in that cup... Yeah. He would have fucking shit his pants. Yeah. And I don't give Literally a fuck. Literally and figuratively. I don't care, man, because, like, I had that... It was his, his loss. Yeah. Because I made it perfectly. Yeah. The drink was perfect. And like, you know what? I you know it's there's something to be said for consistency, but there's not there's something like that can almost never be replicated. I mean, I bet it can. when you when you make a fucking piece of art in a cup, I'm not talking about latte art, but something like that just actually tastes that good in a cup. I was like, okay. Everything has a, everything has a science to it when it comes down to food and taste. It's all about the science of it. Uh, and it's, this is the most cliche thing being a person that spent a significant amount of time living in Melbourne to say. Or to mention the coffee culture of Australia. And, like, you know, every Australian listening is going, oh, he's fucking good about the coffee culture. You know, get some other culture into it. But you don't understand, the coffee here is terrible. Like, they, they drink half a gallon cups full of iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts and then spend their time putting hazelnut shots, coconut shots into it. They use almond milk. They, use, they don't use real milk. And that's to say for itself, there's something weird about the milk here, too. But my, my point is, I would love to take you to Australia and show you what the coffee culture is in Australia. Like, and you, you would uh, like, you so understand what the frustration is because it's a, it's a, it's not even just the coffee culture; it's the food culture. Yeah, I, Ta- I don't, I can't taste and flavor is a huge thing. Like, you remember when Jamie Oliver did that Food Nation thing here? He tried to change the way McNuggets people think of their school lunches and that. Yeah, and he had no success. I, I totally understood from his point of view the frustration of just you, you, your life does improve oh yeah based on the quality of what you eat and what you ingest okay so I've spent the last two weeks and I'll, I'll start with this because you guys probably I haven't been broadcasting this on social media or whatever but yeah the last two weeks I've been uh Eating right and uh, going for runs and stuff, running with my dog. Yeah. I've been eating mostly salads and, like, yogurt with granola and fruit and stuff and a lot of fresh fruit. Um, 
and I feel way better. I've lost like 15 pounds in two weeks. Wow. Um, I put some of it back on this weekend because I haven't been uh, exercising as much. But, dude, I mean, just do yourself a favor. Like, if you, I, I have access to it because I work in a place where I can just make myself a salad and make it with like fresh nuts. So your cafe, fresh... your cafe soon. Um, they serve on their breakfast menu muesli and granola and yogurt and that. Like, yeah, that on it's, the breakfast it's, um, menu? it's you call it muesli. What we call it there is muesli. Most people know it as granola. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we have a Greek yogurt um, with, fruit, with and... fruit and granola and honey and uh, black sesame. Yeah. And it's incredible. Black sesame, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's, it's so delicious. And uh, I'm not even going to tell you where <laughs> I work because I don't want you in there. But uh, not you, obviously. You know where I work, but... You people out there, don't ask where I fucking work because private message me. I'll tell you. Yeah, private message con. It, um, uh, I'll tell you what. You, you got to work for it. I will write where Sam works. We need on a, the toilet of the barn. You got to find the barn, and I'll write where he works. I'll put there'll be a little white stamp saying where Sam works. And, uh, yeah, and you go there, and there's, like, a nice little hole in the wall there in the bathroom stall. And if you're lucky, uh, you might just get a blowy out of it. Who knows? Anything can happen where I work. But, uh, before, <laughs> before you ever know where I work, uh, I think we're gonna probably need, like, a couple, like, hundred likes on the podcast. Yeah. So, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, Colin, why don't you just tell them where the, what the web address is for the... Um, for our Facebook for the podcast. You, you can find us on iTunes at just simply searching DSYWW podcast. You can find me on you can find me on Twitter at, at underscore Con Williams and you can find Sam on iTunes at forward slash phonetics music. Uh, it's uh, SoundCloud and it's uh, soundcloud.com slash phonetics hyphen music and on Facebook uh, dot com slash phonetics uh, hyphen hip hop, and uh, mm. that's you gotta you gotta you gotta fix it up. Make yeah, the same yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we know, I know. I've gotten a whole bunch of shit for it, but I don't know. I think we were drunk when we made the web address and all that stuff, and that's kind of how it is when you're a musician and you're trying to get on your feet and you don't you know exactly know these things and you got to learn them through experience. And also, so when I make my next music page, it'll be fucking all across the board the same shit. But that's how you learn it by fucking it up the first time, and then you well, get better. Well, the way yeah, the way you stand on it, just get a true account and delete the rest. Just keep your SoundCloud and replicate your Twitter the same way. Hey, that's just advice from a dickhead Aussie. Yeah, uh, uh, we the, get a lot of that here on DSYWW. Yeah, um, and you get a, a lot of advice from me, another guy who doesn't know what he's fucking doing with his life. And hey, you know. but I'm doing it. At least I'm doing it. He's doing it, man. He's out here. He's in America. So I've expatriated another country. Give me, give, give me a little bit of fucking leeway. Like, how many of you people at the age of twenty-seven decided to just, oh yeah, let's just go on the other side of the world and just assume that this is what life's going to be for the foreseeable future? Con, this is America. You got to speak English. I am speaking Spinglish. Spin, uh, Spinglish. Uh, Spinglish. I'm speaking Australian, mate. You've you've put a bunch of beer in me, and you expect me to speak coherently in in your misuse of the Oxford comma language. I don't want to use fucking commas. When was the last time you see me use a goddamn comma or an Oxford comma? 
And what the fuck is an Oxford comma? It's the term for a comma. It's, it's the way it's really? used. The way it's, the way it's used So in really the all this fucking internet bullshit I hear about Oxford commas is just a fucking comma? Yeah. Really? It, it's the way it's used in the break up a sentence. Why the fuck do people have to add this shit on like, oh, the Oxford comma? Like, it's not just because, a fucking comma. Be, uh, because, like, what, what, it, it and since when is it from talk, fucking Oxford? Because that's where English comes from. English comes from English Oxford. English and grammar. Oxford in... Oxford is Oxford in, University. Man, I'm from Cambridge. Oxford is in Cambridge. So... Yeah, but Cambridge is England number two. Bullshit, this is America number one, motherfucker. <laughs> and that's gonna do it for us tonight. Uh, yeah, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, go fuck yourselves. This has been DSYWW. It's a hot-ass summer night, so... Uh, Sorry about the latency, but yeah, we had a had a hectic fucking week. Hopefully, we'll be back to our regular program of once a week. Um, yeah, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, and go out and see Ant Man, you pieces of shit.